Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I am a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. Welcome to Podcasts Like It's 1989, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1989 from the circuits of time here in 2021. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. And I'm Phil Iskov. And with us today is our delightful guest, uh, Sean O'Connor, talking about a film notice- notably absent of any Irishness. Although, to be fair, I mean, I think that we agreed, Kenny, that, that Sean is the senior George Carlin correspondent. Did we? Yes, he's our senior George Carlin correspondent. That's correct. Oh, that's perfect. That actually really works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That plays. Yeah, it does. It does. Yes. Um, so I, I just literally five, maybe ten minutes ago finished watching Bill and Ted Face the Music, um, which I had not seen when it dropped during the pandemic. So I watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure during the pandemic, as well as, as Bogus Journey. I did not watch the third one at the time. I then That's watched wild. it because I knew we were going to be doing this eventually. So I sort of was like, I'd rather, and I'd rather go into this having seen the third one. Um, so I watched Bill and Ted and I watched the third one today. I didn't have time to watch Bogus, Bogus Journey again, but, um, what a wonderful movie, guys. What a wonderful the, trilogy. I, the third one. Uh, oh, yes. yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I think it might be uh, <laughs> probably the best pound for pound trilogy. Uh, like it's tremendous. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's the best pound for pound trilogy. <laughs> it, it's it's so great, and it's so it's so po- the the third one, which has no right being good, is nope. so positive and makes you so happy. Yep. It's it was the best part of the last year for me. Do you? It, yeah, go ahead, sorry, Kay. Do you guys? Let's rank them real fast. Let's just go around the room and rank them. Okay. All right. Go ahead. You go first. Kenny. I'll rank them first. All right. Bogus Journey's a masterpiece. It's number one. Wow. Bogus Journey's it's like one of the great films ever made. Wow. Um, not a knock on either of the other two films at all. But Bogus Journey's a masterpiece. Uh, it might piss some people off, but I, I'm going Face the Music second and Excellent Adventure third. Um, I love these three movies deeply, They're but wonderful. the one I get the least amount of minute by minute joy from is the mm-hmm. third one. I mean, I'm sorry. It's the first, the first one. one. Um, you know, having, as I mentioned moments ago, finished watching face the music. It really, like it really, really worked for me. I got a yeah. little emotional Excellent. at the end. Oh, it's I've, been, I've been in my house for a year, so that probably has something to do with it. But still, um, I, 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 I would be hard. Here, here's my problem. I didn't love Bogus Journey as much as as you did. Um, I watched it for the first time during the pandemic. Bogus in and of itself, uh, though. It, it, sure. Uh, it, it just, I, I. Here's why I think this trilogy is fantastic. Just to get back to what you were saying moments ago, Sean, because I think that this trilogy does what very few trilogies are able to actually execute, right? Which is the first one's the first one. It's original. It's obviously it's, it's the, it's the OG, whatever. The second one tends to try to take some swings and. Most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, the second one isn't as good. And then the third one tries to recapture the magic and fails. Whereas this trilogy does all of those things in the sense that the second one takes swings and works. Like, I don't hate Bogus Journey. I just don't, I don't love it as much as perfect. It's, it's a great movie. Um, but it's like, it's about, it's existential and it's about like hell and it's about, it's, it's like, it's a weird movie. Like, it's, it's a weird movie. Whereas the third one is all heart and it fucking works like a chart. I want to get Sean's rankings and then I want to tell you why I think Bogus Journey is the coolest movie. Uh, Okay. I'll start backwards. I'll go backwards. I'll go three, two, one. Uh, So my third favorite, mm-hmm. and that's right. It's not the worst one. It's just my third favorite <laughs> yes. of the trilogy uh, is Face the Music. Uh, just because it's it's not a part of me yet. It's sure. not, sure. it's not, I, I have not rewatched <laughs> it over and over for 20 years. Sure. Number two, Excellent Adventure. Uh, I love Excellent Adventure. Mm-hmm. It's really fun. It's like one of the first fun movies I remember as a kid. Like, Me too, yeah. I like Back to the Future a lot, but this was my time travel movie. Uh, Me too, my brother. Heart and then number one is Bogus Journey. I think it is the greatest sequel of all time. I, I think it is. <laughs> well, I, uh, I love it so much. It's perfect. It The world building in this, like... It, it, it's just so impressive. Like you yeah. actually get to see the future that the the first one foretold. Like it's True. it's great. It's got a it's got a clearer villain. Uh, it does it does themselves villain themselves. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so all right, here's how I feel about Bogus Journey. Right, I love I love Excellent Venture. Um, Deeply, I think mm-hmm. it's uh, an amazing, brilliant, beautiful movie. Yeah. 
Um, I think that people who some people just outright loved and understand what they were doing and understood that there was something uh, far more complex than it seems. Then there's a large group of people who Mm -hmm. thought it was funny because it's about two idiots. And those people are my enemies. (laughs) What what Bo's journey does that I love so much is it says, you guys who understood that we were operating on a deeper level were right. And we trust you with something this fucking sophisticated with the second movie. It's such a sophisticated (laughs) comedy. I mean, it is layers on layers. It's inside and outside. I think the two performances from Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves are mind-blowing in that movie. I think they're mind-blowing in in Excellent Adventure, too. But what I like, you watch Excellent Adventure, I think you start to think, yeah, we should have been on to Keanu a lot earlier. But what they do in Bogus Journey is like, insane well like, can i, I just I, I i i do just want to be very clear i greatly enjoyed bogus journey i, I hear you i hear you i don't, I don't you want did. it to seem as though i'm i'm I, I think all three films are fantastic i also want to say too that i'm coming at these movies and this might sound similar to people who have listened to the patreon i don't think i totally got this when i was a kid i i, I think you? that well it wasn't even about it, it was more just like it was a, a, a brand of humor that I didn't totally lock into at that age. And I, so I, I, I enjoyed it, but I don't think I enjoyed it as much as my counterparts and my friends and peers and what have you. Um, and I now watch these films and think that they're absolutely fucking brilliant and, and unmistakably brilliant. But at the time, I think I went with the, I don't think I got it. Like, I think I was like, oh, they're, they're dummies. They're doofuses. Like but I think, and I, which is just unfortunate that I just they didn't, are, you know, they, the dummies do that. It's not really about that, but I'm not saying that it is. But yeah. as a kid, that's what I took away from it. Is what I'm no, you were you were my enemy, enemy, but now you're my ally. Well, all right. Okay. I, uh, <laughs> I I want to say one more thing about sure, sure. Uh, Bogus Journey Face Music. Obviously, we can come back here whatever we want, but this whenever is about we want. excellent adventure. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that those two movies have that um, that excellent adventure doesn't have is the greatest comedic performance in the history of film in William Sadler. Oh, he's William Sadler as death is <laughs> enough to kill you. It's so fucking funny. It's so funny. He, funny. And, and honestly, like I, I, in the, in face the music, like I loved, uh, the, the, the new, uh, character, but when death appeared on screen, it, yeah, like, yeah, I, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but I, he's great. I love him, but I, Death is to me truly the the greatest comedic character in a film of all time. He's he's incredible, and and I again this comes back to sort of what you were saying, Kenny, in terms of like the sophistication of this film. It, it's 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 certainly not the first sequel to go big, take a big swing, and and hope that people get on board. Um, but I also, I'm not totally surprised that it didn't connect in the way that they thought it was going to, because it is a pretty, it's a pretty layered, weird movie. Here's the thing. I, here's the thing I would say. So I'm the guy who on this podcast talked about how much I hate Ocean's 12. It's true. Because Ocean's 12, I think, abandons its audience. I think a lot of people felt abandoned by Bogus Journey. journey. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where that came from. I would argue watch them back to back 
and you'll see they're very oh, clearly sure, the sure. same brand of humor. One is just muscled up. But uh, I think what we could do over the course of this podcast yeah. is point out just how sophisticated the first movie is mm-hmm. because I think people still have this idea that you know it's just San Dimas High School Football Rules when it's really <laughs> like uh, a, a super sophisticated existential movie that does the thing that Gilmore Girls and Clueless and Dawson's Creek did before they did it, which is trust your audience to understand uh, what words mean. <laughs> well, I think that – I mean I also just I, – I, you mentioned Clueless, which I think is another – is a good touchstone because I – think as a kid i did not completely grasp the california comedy like the movie that's making fun of california culture didn't necessarily resonate with me in toronto um i I just don't think that it completely worked so like i look at movies like encino man and clueless to a certain degree although clueless i loved but still that's not really as much of a california i mean i guess it is but long story short i think you sort of know what i'm getting at here which is that like this sort of i hate to say stoner because they don't smoke weed in this movie but like it's not a stoner movie either i I don't know you look like you want to say something no no i i completely agree i'm glad that you mentioned clueless because i think clueless it gets a ton of shine because clueless is an incredible uh movie. movie yeah but I do think Bill and Ted is actually your, especially Excellent Adventure, is your pitch-perfect satire of Californian youth, yeah. where I feel like all the other movies, like Encino Man, it's just, it, it somehow them time-traveling to get an A in history is more grounded than finding uh, the missing link. Uh, <laughs> I love that you're like them time traveling to get I, I tweeted this earlier, but like I love the fact that they think that kidnapping a bunch of historical figures will get them like that completes their assignment. Exactly. And that's the beauty of Bill and Ted. It's completely in the voice of the character. They wouldn't know how to pass history. Like, it, was some, it was something that we did in the eighties that was beautiful and wonderful. <laughs> The, like, the elaborate scheme yes. to pass a class. Mm-hmm. And we don't do it anymore because there's too much like, oh, that would never happen. Like, this is it's such a wonderful and beautiful and brilliant setup. Uh, I, and just today, I think people get so bogged down in the yeah. making the premise work. The premise is the easiest part of a movie because anything goes. Anything <laughs> There are yeah. no rules yeah. to a premise. So yeah. do it, these these dumb fucks need wanna need it's so good. These dumb fucks <laughs> need to fucking uh need, need need to pass their history class yeah. so one doesn't get sent to um to military, military school. school. Yeah. And, and it just so happens that they're going to save the world with their music and someone from the future comes to help them along with this with this assignment. Yeah. That's stupid as shit. Yeah, but I totally, I love of it. course yeah. I'm willing to go along yeah. with it because that's the premise. It's also, and, and we've talked about this a fair amount uh, on the Patreon, but like there's a cleanliness to 80s, to these 89 movies in terms of premise, in terms of like no fat, just like the, not even straight line, but just like this idea of telling a story well. Like we're so bogged down, as you as you just said, Kenny, in people being jaded and 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 digging inside these premises for logic holes and this that we fucking lost the the sheer entertainment value of a movie. Yeah, 
lost the fun. It's like yes. the, the, yes. the silliness yes. of it. Yes. That's why, yeah. that's why when I hear about LeBron's new fucking Space Jam, everyone's like, this is so crazy. I'm like, no. No, it's great. awesome. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you guys want to have fun? fun. <laughs> ha- having fun is the, is the best part of movies from the 80s. Because I, like, I feel like the 80s is actually like going through uh, all the decades. The 80s isn't the greatest decade for film, but it's the most fun decade of film yeah, possibly ever. Yes. Yes. And I feel like this, what, what is great about Bill and Ted is their whole thing is they just want to keep fucking around. That's all they want. That's, that's their character's desire is they just don't want Ted to have to go to military school so they could just still fuck around. Their lives are so easy. It's just like the only bad thing in Bill's life is like, uh, Ted asks his his now stepmom to prom. That's the only flaw in Bill's life. Like, and <laughs> it's, it's great. That's great. Like, you instantly know, just like, oh yeah, he just just stop saying my mom's hot. <laughs> the, the, I mean, there, there's so many, there, there's so much brilliance in this movie, big and small. Yes. But the the thing in the pre- the thing in the premise that uh, that. You are right, so I, I I gave out the the idiotic insane pre- premise. The thing <laughs> in the pre- premise that they don't run away from is these guys are going to save the world with a song that ends all war and poverty. <laughs> it would it it would generally I think make a writer want to start them as shits. And yes. have them learn something over the course of the movie that turned them into good guys. But you know who didn't start as a shit? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who saved the world, who died for their sins, is never a shit. He came out great. And this movie works so much better knowing that these guys are worthy of the Messiah complex that's put upon them because they're so pure. They are such pure good guys. The only thing that they, the only things that they do are that, that are bad are relics of the time. They don't do anything actually bad. They do. They, right. they, they say the F word at some point, they uh, objectify women a little bit, but like that is that the, the, the intent of these characters in the moment is these are the purest motherfuckers and that works so well for me. I'm so on board with these two guys. Who, but I, uh, I, yeah, yeah. yeah but I, 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 I know. I, I completely agree with you. I, I think that you know this is also one of those one of those movies, and we and you know we've been lucky enough to cover them most of them in '89. But like just the the magical, perfect casting, perfect script. Like these two, Alex Winter and and Keanu Reeves, are so locked into and so understand these guys. Like their heart, their soul, as you just said, Kenny, they're they're good natured people. Um, it, it's it's there's just it's it's really beautiful to see, and it's why. You know, I'm for years we've heard about a third Bill and Ted movie. Keanu's been talking about it for years. Alex Winter's been talking about it for years. Very hard to get it funded. Very hard to get it made. Um, but you understand why they wanted to do it. Not just because it would be fun to do, but they love these fucking guys. And you can see it in this movie. It's just, it's really beautiful. 
And you're, I mean, you're just totally right, Kenny. Like, I, I mean, they are the closest thing to Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I think you might, you might be though. Cause like, I was just like, as I was watching it, I was thinking of like why a movie like dude, where's my car yeah. failed, even though it's like an insanely similar premise. And it is, it is just because the characters are more morally gray. Like where like, they get a wish and they make their girlfriend's boobs bigger. Like that instantly puts like this like weird pervy aspect on them. And like Bill and Ted, like it, they, they of course have like a crush on the princesses when they meet them, but they're not like horny pervs. They're like, they have love lyrics. Yeah. They, they are instantly in love. Like that is who they are. And they're, they're sweet, like dog people. And that is why Bill and Ted work. I think they also want to better themselves. Like all three films are about making themselves better, right? Whereas, like, and that's a perfect example of "Dude, Where's My Car?" Where it's like there is no desire to be. They think they're great as is. There's no desire to change or, themselves. Or Howard and Kumar falls into Correct. this as well. Correct. Like these, yeah. It's it's interesting you brought up like the stoner comedy, right? Yeah. Because yeah. I do think that I do think that a lot of movies took the wrong lessons from this. Which is like have a couple of silly, funny yep. bros yep. who are kind of dumb, Goof. yeah, goofy, goofballs, yeah. and they missed all the stuff. And I mean, you know, I, I'm a quarter joking about the Jesus thing, but that's what this <laughs> is. Like, it's 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 it's, it's text. These guys yep. are the messiahs. These guys do save the world. There does seem to be they an do. entire religion built around these two guys. So it's very easy for me as a writer to be like, what if the fucking messiah were two surf metal dudes from California and then go and run with that? It's literally a comedic matrix, like yeah. To, yeah. down to casting. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, truly, like, Rufus is Morpheus. Yep. Right? It's true. It's very true. Um, let me just give a very brief synopsis uh, for our listeners. Bill, played by Alex Winter, and Ted, played by Keanu Reeves, are high school buddies starting a band. However, they're about to fail their history class, which means Ted would be sent to military school. They receive help from Rufus, played by George Carlin, a traveler from the future, where their band is the foundation of a perfect society. With the use of Rufus's time machine, Bill and Ted travel to various points in history, returning with important figures to help them complete their final history presentation. It was written by Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon and directed by Stephen Herrick. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure opened on February 17th, 1989 in third place against the burbs and rain man it would go on to make 40 million dollars on a 6.5 million dollar budget it's got 81 percent on rotten tomatoes from critics 75 percent from audiences uh the washington post actually gave the film a negative review finding the script was uh made only of these sketchiest elements to draw their historical characters they exist as foils and nothing else and the gags are hung, hung on them uh and the that are hung on them are far from first rate. And if the director Stephen Herrick has any talent for comedy, it's not visible here. New York Times also referred to the film as plainly inept. Uh, however, Variety said Reeves, with his beguiling blank face and loose-limbed, happy-go-lucky physical vocabulary, and Winter, with his golden curls, gleeful good vibes, and bodacious vocabulary, propelled this adventure. And the Austin Chronicle said, as these high school goofballs travel back in time to score some heavy dudes like Napoleon, Socrates, and Billy the Kid for their history presentation, so they wrote themselves into teen pantheon. I'm going to read one last thing here. In The Guardian, for the film's 25th anniversary, 
Hadley Freeman said, of all the delightful improbable scenarios depicted in Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, from Napoleon Bonaparte causing havoc on a water slide to Billy the Kid and Socrates, a.k.a. Socrates, of course, picking up chicks at a California mall to George Carlin <laughs> acting in... Didn't even mention Bob Genghiskan. <laughs> <laughs> picking up chicks at California mall to George Carlin acting in a film alongside Keanu Reeves and a member of the Go-Go's. None would have seemed more unlikely on its release than the idea that one day, with much media fanfare, the public would be celebrating the film's 25th anniversary. By the time Bill and Ted was released in 1989, the 80s teen film Explosion was starting to taper out. Moreover, there had already been plenty of films about time-traveling teens by the time Bill and Ted rocked up in theaters, such as Peggy Sue Got Married and uh, Back to the Future. Few who were around then would have bet that a goofy film about a pair of California metalheads skipping back through time in a phone box, collecting historical characters to bring back to 20th century California for their history report, would still be remembered today. And I am very much among those few. Um, it is uh, it is insane that this movie has the legacy that it has, but it is unquestionably wonderful. I mean, I don't, I, you know, it's, it's interesting when I watching it again today, I really found myself taken with its sort of budget looks too. like, there's a tone that it understands about itself from the director as well, where it's like, they don't have a lot of money to throw around, but those effects when they're flying through the circuits of time look fucking awesome. Like, I think it looks fantastic. Yes, it, it does. It does have a budget look, but at the same time, why? I, what I love about it is it does feel like it could have been like a sketch groups, like <laughs> off Broadway show, and yeah, it, it's it's like that tightly construction uh, constructed, yep. like and like I love uh, how the most important people in the world when they go to the future, I love that look where it's just like this futuristic cave that they're in, like it's all, it's all like silver, oh. everything's just yeah. silver. Yeah, and the I world love- doesn't look better. <laughs> it looks worse. They're living <laughs> underground. It does. It looks terrible. It, look, yeah, yeah. it, it, it looks like the Morlocks won and then put a cane going on it. But I, uh, I, I'm super charmed by the look of this movie. And, totally. you know, what it makes me think of is uh, you, have you guys seen Westworld, the original? Yeah. The, yeah, the Michael so, Crichton movie. Yeah. yeah, the Michael Crichton movie. So in Westworld, I, I'm 99% sure. So in Westworld, there's there's Westworld, which is the Western world. There's like Roman world and there's yeah. like medieval world, right? I'm 99% sure they just used the fucking sets they had on every back sure, lot, sure. right? They're just like, all right, so we got these three sets, these yeah. three back lots, you know, we're always doing a Roman shit. That's what they did here very clearly. Yeah. They're just like, what sets do we have lying around? Well, we got like a Greek set lying around. Let's put Socrates in there. You know, it's like we got some <laughs> – we got some Chinese so, stuff left so over. Crazy. Maybe Bob Genghis Khan can go in there. You know, we could we we, we could use the the Back to the Future set. Maybe have Freud come out of it. Who knows? Yep, but yep. Uh, I I'm so charmed by it. like as like a as like a, a Hollywood geek and a studio geek, and um, I'm so charmed by that element of it that mm-hmm. they were able to kind of, you know, pull all of these Hollywood tropes, the Western, the, the you know, the Roman film, the, the medieval film, the, because who do they get from medieval times? Oh. Uh, well, oh, the princesses. Uh, they don't actually get yeah, the princesses. princesses. Yeah. The princesses come from, you know, medieval England, and they get, you know, Joan of Arc from the set of The Passion of Joan of Arc, clearly. And it's just, I, I find that so, like, charming in its own way that I, I will agree with the Washington Post re- negative review to some extent. The movie 
falls off a cliff for me when you're in the mall and you leave Bill and Ted. And you yeah, I was surprised leave. how long we left them for this time around. They, they are they are comic yeah. gold, and I yeah. don't want to leave them for a second to watch Bob Genghis Khan you know, surf in a fucking sporting goods store. <laughs> yeah, but Joe Devard getting into dancer size is very fun. I do. And, I do. And beef, co- beef so oven, which beef is oven. Like, <laughs> yeah, beef, beef oven, is one of the funniest beef jokes <laughs> I think in a movie I've ever I've ever heard. I love it so much. I, I but I don't love beef ovens. I love his look. I think the beef oven. Uh, uh, <laughs> I think the beef oven actor really gives a good beef oven. He does. He does. The Lincoln does. actor gives a great Lincoln. Yeah. But uh, but I'm not into I'm not into his little like his little shtick. He just plays music. I think that I think what you're tapping into, Kenny, and I this time around it did hit me this time that like that swath of the film feels very very sketch comedy to me. Like that's like. Mm-hmm. Here's a bunch of historical figures, and what would happen if they were in a mall together? Like, it and should have been punctuated. House, yeah. and when they're cleaning the house, it just it does feel like, yeah, let's get silly to me a little bit. A, a they, total, yeah, you yeah. have to. You owe the you owe the audience that, but like, it's not the nope. it's not my favorite. Sorry, Sean. Go ahead. The, the, yeah, the 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 two moments that work the best with, uh, I mean, I do. I, I love Jane Weaveland, so I love her yeah, as Jennifer, but. But both Napoleon scenes, him going to uh, different story, different story. Yeah. <laughs> water park rolls, water, and, yeah. and then Ziggy him Piggy. eating the Ziggy Piggy and uh, oh, stopping oh, her spoon oh, oh. is wonderful. And little like little, there, there's a little '80s thing that obviously oh. you guys picked up on, but that you wouldn't do today. Yeah. But to have Deacon, first of all, great oh, name, great name. Deacon, Two friends be these redheaded twin girls, like, and not even make mention of it. It's so great. Like these, like girls who these girls who only could have been born in 1978, right? <laughs> <laughs> and they don't but they're just that's just his crew. He just rolls around with two little redheaded twin I- girls. And Napoleon. <laughs> Deacon has one of my favorite lines in the movie when when Bill says, You ditched Napoleon, he says, He was a dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just it's great. It's it, it really the, the water park stuff is fantastic. It, it's yeah, it I mean got, I, it could have got on for another twenty twenty years. Well, I was kind of blown away watching the water park uh, stuff right now, like yes. for the first time in a couple of years. And it clearly, they didn't close the water park. Like they just let this guy who kind of looks like Napoleon <laughs> just run and like push real kids. <laughs> he also seemed, he also seemed to somehow get like, a, like a 17th century French bathing suit. Like where did he yeah. like? Is that is that just what he just wears an old timey bathing suit under his gear? Yeah. <laughs> he was still right. He was right. I'm super into Napoleon. I'm super into the way oh. he jumps head first into yeah. it. Like I I do like the way they all like. I mean I love them all. I love Freud coming over, hitting on the girls with the cord dog, and having it go up and down as it gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> they call the ball. They, they call Freud a uh, geek. I mean, it's great. It's, it's great. It's good shit, man. It's really it's good shit. Good shit. I, mean, I yeah. I, I I also just feel like I want to just mention very quickly. You know, Keanu Reeves is also in Parenthood this year in '89, mm-hmm. which I feel like is the sort of the the yin to his to his Ted. 
in the sense of like <laughs> you do is Ted. Well, because if, if Ted is that you understand my, my I, metaphor. Of course I get it. it was just I, I, I think that um I love him in Parenthood because it's sort of a more, I don't want to say mature, but a more sort of heartfelt, sweeter, kinder Ted. Really? Um, and, and, and it's just interesting how Keanu was sort of put into this box of like, that's his thing. And admittedly was miscast in things like Dracula, which doesn't help some of his, uh, some of those monikers, but he's such a kind actor. Like he radiates goodwill. Like, there's just something really beautiful about him. I, I give Keanu so much credit for yeah. never doing the thing where he basically stood up and said, now it's time for you all to take me seriously. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, ne- yeah. I've done I, I've done my stuff and I and I get you think I'm like kind of funny and sweet and whatever. Yeah. But now yeah. you're going to watch me, you know, do fucking Paradise Lost. Ha ha ha. No, he never did that shit. He never did that shit. And I was watching Speed the other day too, and that's like that's a whole fucking game changer, not just for his oh, career, yeah. but for the whole action fucking genre. Oh, he he did it a bunch of times. He's the Crazy. king. Yeah, he's, he's unbelievable. Yeah, he's he's great, and uh, you know, just a positive force in the world. And I feel yeah. like I feel like anytime he has to, I mean, like, yeah, like his more adulty roles of like. Which are never even that adulty. It's like Devil's Advocate, where it's like, okay, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, fun. It's yeah, it's yeah, fun. Yeah. But I love like him in Parenthood is great. It's a great role. But it's almost like if Ted could learn things, like Ted <laughs> <Yes>. was <laughs> capable of learning. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. is That's, that is kind of like Ted's like like Achilles' heel. Is he is incapable of learning? <laughs> Bill's the smart one. Bill can learn. Bill Bill keeps reminding him of what they're there for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He keeps reminding him when it's his turn to talk. I mean, like Bill, you know, when Bill's is the, Bill's the oh. brains of the operation, you're you're already kind of you know two strikes against you. <laughs> but, I mean, Ted can't even fucking tie his shoes. Oh, it's great. It's great. But I, uh, he's wonderful. Uh, so I just want to give a couple, a little bit of uh, context in terms of the development of the film and the production of the film. The uh, In the original script, the phone booth was a van, a 1969 Chevy Ooh, van, phone booth. Which, Yay. which they got rid of because of Back to the Future. They thought it was too similar to the DeLorean. But then they apparently chose a phone booth, even though Doctor Who had been on the air for since 1963. And they were just like, whatever, we don't give a fuck. Uh, yeah, Good. I mean, yeah. No crossover in American England at that time. Not back then. Yeah. Um, principal photography was completed in 87, but the film's original financiers, uh, De La Rentis Entertainment Group, went bankrupt, and the film was in danger of being dumped on cable television until Nelson Entertainment bought the rights in 88 and released it in 89. So this film almost didn't even get a fucking theatrical release, which is crazy. Like, that's a whole other alternate timeline where Bill and Ted just, is just some weird fucking thing that was on cable. Anyway. Wild. Uh, Ed Solomon and Chris Matheson uh, wrote the script in four days <laughs> in a series of meetings at local coffee shops, uh, just writing it hand uh, in hand. Um, Alex Winter auditioned for the role of Ted. Keanu auditioned for the role of Bill. So ironically, obviously they swapped that. Ringo Starr, Sean Connery, Roger Daltrey, and Charlie Sheen were all considered for the role of Rufus before George Carlin was cast. That's insane to me. Charlie I mean, Sheen? Charlie, Charlie Sheen? Sheen? Charlie oh, Sheen could have been anybody. Insane. Ringo Starr makes sense because, like, I do. Yeah. Rufus to me is the most Shiny Time Station character in this movie, and it could. It has to be one of the two. 
Like, yeah, it, it's like you can't. Charlie Sheen seems odd to me. I I think if you I think if you cast George Carlin, that mm-hmm. means you wrote a role that literally anybody in history could have played. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that's not a knock on Carlin. I don't. That's not a knock on Carlin because he's great. Yeah, but sure. Nobody, but nobody's ever written a movie being like I think. There's a Carlin role. I think you're like it could be anybody. <laughs> it could have been, you know, who? Because that Rufus could have been oh, anybody. It's true. It's true. You know, uh, it's amazing. I want to say uh, about Ed, yeah. Ed, Sol- Ed Solomon Please. real fast because he's Please. still working and yeah. he's like you. You have me real face the music, but he's like I, he wrote you know uh, a bunch of other really interesting shit. Some stuff that's like Correct. amazing, like Men in Black. Men in Black. <laughs> and, and some stuff that's Super Mario Brothers. So this guy's really, <laughs> really had quite a career. I'm pretty sure he's one of the best, one of the biggest script doctors still. For sure. Um, yeah. That he's he's also on Twitter too, by the way. He's he's hilarious on Twitter. Great, great like guy. A plus guy. Yeah. I mean, uh, literally, he like wrote for Lavert and Shirley. He wrote for the Gary Shandling show. His, his, he's done everything. Like he just did that Mos- uh, Steven Soderbergh mosaic. mosaic? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like he. He's so versatile and like in a way like it is I he's he's part of the reason why Bill and Ted works so well. He can also, do anything. It's so funny you bringing up Mosaic uh closes the loop on how Steven Soderbergh was a producer on Face the Music. Oh yeah, that makes sense. No, I'm like cuz when I saw his name come up I was like I mean sure, I mean Steven Soderbergh I'm sure he'll put his money Looks to good use forever. Yeah. But then I was just like but how did it get to him and now it makes sense that Ed Solomon was like Will you give us some money for Face the Music? So it brings like, sure, whatever. Yeah, it did seem like Face the Music took, I mean, it did take a long time. It took almost 20 yeah. years to make it. Uh, it also seemed like, uh, it, it, it seemed like there were a lot of people who would have given money to that. I can't really figure out think. exactly what yeah. happened there. Yeah. And, Ke- and the only real barrier you'd ever imagine for that movie is Keanu. And Keanu's been one of the big. First of all, I think Keanu and uh, Alex, which are still very close, they are, um, and they've been championing this together for a decade. Yeah. So I mean, I, I wish we got it in the theaters. It's a shame it came out during the pandemic. I don't know how well it would have done, but um, it's you hard know. to say. I it, it's it was one of the first movies that really kind of tested the waters of the the VOD. Um, yeah. You know, back in, I guess it was April or May. I forget when it was. Time is obviously meaningless right now. But, yeah. um, but it, it's, it also, but I got to say, like watching it that way, I, I, I would love to, I mean, listen, they'll probably never tell us the numbers and it's still not streaming anywhere in the sense of like any of the, the, streaming companies don't have it for free with a membership is my point. So they're still making money off of this thing. I imagine it probably did pretty well for them. Um, but I guess we'll hopefully we'll find out someday, but I agree with you, Kenny odd that it would take this long for it to happen. Um, but I'm thrilled we got it. And I, I really have to say too, um, that watching it today, I was just, I was floored by, first of all, Samara Weaving is just oh, she's the greatest, uh, the fucking greatest. I mean, Ready or Not is fantastic. I can't wait for her to take over the world. She's tremendous. Yeah. Um, she's even good in Hollywood, which uh, oh, I don't know if you I guys didn't. watched, but she's <laughs> no, good I mean, in it. Really? I, yeah, you've never. Right. I watched the Hollywood, first one. It's Hollywood terrible. is terrible, but if you ever want to see Rob Reiner have doggy style sex with Mira Sorvino, it's the show for you. 
So it's not the show that I want to watch. It's not the show. It's not the show for anyone, uh, and it's like a huge part of it. Uh, that is so cruel. That is really upsetting. Oh yeah, uh, but yeah, she's she's tremendous playing. Um, she plays Thea, right? I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. she plays Thea, and and uh, um, forgive me, I don't know the actress's name who plays um, Ted's daughter, uh, but. They're both amazing. The cast Regina is just Wendy Payne. There you go. Um, they are incredible. So they are incredible. Yeah. They're the heart of the movie. Like when yeah. when when it's all crescendoing at the end when they're playing the song, you're just like and and the the realization that they're to back up their kids. Like it's all just great shit. Well, the, a bar. Like so, when you said this is interesting because you said on Twitter. Yeah. That you're, you know, the funny thing is you're, you're to believe that these two are going to save the world with a song. And yeah. I'm just and like, then no, the, I'm, I'm like, watch face the music because like yeah. the bar is so high. You have to save the world with a song. I've been thinking about that for 23 years or 22 it, years. How this amazing. is, or 32, how this is possible. How this is possible. Incredible. And they didn't punt. They did. It's the coolest thing. I'm so crazy about that. They, you know, as as the song is playing at the end of Face the Music, I thought to myself, there's clearly no justice in the Oscars. Otherwise, this song would obviously be nominated for best song. Like, it well, has saved to, the world. It saved yeah. the fucking world. <laughs> but, uh, but no, it, it, it just, it's, it's, a, it's a tremendous it sticks the landing in a way it has no fucking right to. And it is, it is truly amazing that, as you just said, Kenny, this first movie, Excellent Adventure, sets the bar so high mm-hmm. that a song has to save the world. And by the end of it, they make you love their kids. They make you love their wives. They make you love them all love over wives, again. Yeah. And you're just like, you want nothing more than for them to succeed. And then this song comes in and you're just like, yeah, I believe that could save the world. I, I believe that it could do it. Oh my god! And the the actress who plays Billy, uh, Ted's daughter, the her, her body, her body, her, I know. her body language is just—it's so perfect. <laughs> especially if you watch it like back to back with Excellent Adventure, Ted is doing that the entire time. <laughs> like it is so spot on. It's it's like one of the best mind performances. Yeah. Uh, yeah, oh man. There's also a moment, and it's such a little thing, but I watched it twice because I, I rewound it because I needed to watch it twice, which is the first time that Bill and Ted's daughters show up. Um, <laughs> Billy, Ted puts his hand up, and Billy spins like a top underneath his hand the first time like that, that you see. like They have a physical language with, with their kids, like that they're counterparts to them. Plus, I also just love that their costumes... Uh, mirror their namesakes, not yeah. their fathers. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just it's 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 tremendous. It's it's great stuff. Um, really? But yeah, so so uh, excellent adventure. Apparently, began with a stand-up act. It was three guys. It was Bill, Ted, and Bob. And then Bob had no interest in being a part of it. So they were like, "All right, I guess it's just Bill and Ted now." I imagine Bob is probably kicking himself, but whatever. Um, and then I, there was also, did you guys? Uh, have any of the short-lived breakfast cereal? I know we now live in a cinnamon toast crunchy post cinnamon toast crunch universe, but yeah. Uh, did you ever have that. the cereal? I don't. I don't recall having the cereal. I do very much remember having the action figures from the sure. animated yeah. show. The animated, the animated show ran for a while, yeah. right? 
They yes. ran for yeah. a while. Okay. Well, that's what they used to do with shows like this. There was a Back to the Future. There was a Beatles. Yes, movie. yes. But yes, yes. what ran even longer? There was, was a clerk. The oh, I love the Clerks animated series. Uh, of course, but, why? Why am I not surprised? Yeah, <laughs> uh, but Sean, Sean's it, like, you're, Sean's like, you're not going to believe this, but I love. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. I still like, own it on uh, DVD. It's one of the rare DVDs I traveled to LA with. Uh, tremendous. I but. Uh, yes. I don't know if you guys ever got to see it, but the Halloween show at Universal Studios, no, but which was shut was shut down, I think four years ago for being too problematic. Yeah, I went <laughs> one year. That's not on brand. That's off brand. That's off. It brand. was off brand. No, it was basically not- malevolent Bill and Ted. Like they were very evil. Oh, wow. oh and bogus, I- bogus <laughs> journey bad guys, Bill and Ted. Kind oh, of, okay. yeah. Okay. They're very homophobic and like, uh, like jingoistic and stuff like that. Uh, and it was it was Bill and Ted walking you through the year in pop culture. So like the year I saw oh, it, it was like okay, okay. Bill and Ted. It was like the year of Man of Steel. So like 2014 or 2015. And like a big plot point is that Superman is gay, and it was the weirdest show I've ever sat through. <laughs> Let's talk about the plot of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, um, which essentially opens in 2,688. Uh, we're sort of in the future, um, and humanity exists in this utopian state based on due to the inspiration of the music of the philosophy of the two great ones, Bill S. Preston Esquire and Ted Theodore Logan. Um, <laughs> of of its of its citizens, Rubis is taken by the leaders to travel back to San Dimas, California, in 1988 to use a time machine shaped as a phone booth to ensure that the young Bill and Ted, then dim-witted high school students, successfully pass a histories class. Um, should they fail, Ted's father is going to send him to a military school. Uh, so I, here's a question for you guys. I I understand. You kind of you sort of loosely mentioned it a little bit earlier, but I want to unpack this stepmom runner because I'm not entirely convinced that it works. I think some of it works really well, and some of it doesn't work. The biggest one that doesn't work for me is Bill's dad fucking her in his Bill's bedroom. I would agree with that. <laughs> yeah, it's super weird. Okay, okay, okay. It, it, I would agree that it doesn't work. Okay, good. I, it, I just want to make sure we're all on the same it page. It works the best when yes. Missy just insists she's a normal mom. Yes, yes, yes. Like, yes. She's just giving him, giving him, you know, rides places and mm-hmm. demanding he does yeah. his chores. Like yeah. that's funny shit to me. And the joke uh, you you posited earlier, where Ted's like, "She's really hot." He's like, "Stop saying that," because like he asked her to prom. Done, like that's yeah, funny. That, yeah, that's yeah, funny. It, yeah, and, and, the, and the conceit could be really <laughs> awful, and yes. I think it works really well, and it continues to work well throughout the series, throughout and the it, trilogy. And the third one lands the joke perfectly at the wedding. Yes, perfect. Mm-hmm. I here's why I think it works because I think it did need. Uh, I I think it you you needed something wrong in Bill's life, and it yes. couldn't be as big as. Yes. Going to military school, which right. is like the worst thing ever for Ted, who has zero discipline whatsoever. So, In Alaska. This, so In what? Alaska. what could, yeah. So what could be like the, the 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 worst thing that could happen to like a like hot blooded American male boy is that their dad 
is now dating someone he went to high school with and he and was rejected hot, by. Yeah. And he has the hots for his stepmom now. <laughs> it's like, yes, yes. It, yeah. So it's, it, in a way I, I feel like it's like a super specific thing that maybe, uh, doesn't land as well now that stepmom porn is probably the most popular <laughs> <laughs> in America. But well, that might be because of this movie. I think, I think, I think that the timing lines up perfectly. <laughs> I think that everything you're saying, Sean, is absolutely accurate. I think the tipping point is the dad fucking her in Bill's bedroom. Like that just goes to my, in my opinion, a step too far. I think that had they kept it more at that sort of weird, awkward thing, it would have worked better for me. It's just that when that moment happened, and I don't, I watching it this morning, I was just like, okay, that's not okay. <laughs> like, even if it was just like, hey, you know, him sending Bill and Ted out of the house so he can have sex with his, like, that's one thing. Kicking him out of his own bedroom. <laughs> To do it in his own bed is just like what you know. You, you know, sometimes, sometimes you 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 miss the ball. Yeah, I mean, like I don't really like. I, like yeah, no, 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 you're right. It doesn't really work, but like it's certainly it. it that's not like a step too far yeah, to me. No. That's just a bad joke that doesn't really land. Yeah, if anything, really, it's it's your your classic hat on a hat. It's a uh, it's it's gilding the lily. You you didn't need the extra layer, but you you took it because no one noted it. I I hope that that in the future someone listens to this episode and that hat on a hat is replaced by does he really need to fuck his stepmom or something along those lines? <laughs> so yeah, it becomes the new thing. Yeah, the new joke on a joke is he's fucking the stepmom on your back. In your room. Yeah. These are minor foibles. Minor quibs. Yeah, minor, for sure. Minor yeah. foibles because yes. this, because this, this movie, movie is perfect. Excellent. The thing is, all right, so a lot of these 80s movies, these 80s comedy mm-hmm. movies, uh, did have like some wild swing like that that wasn't you know, that wasn't uh, in any way, in my opinion, uh, plot dependent, right? There could have been a bunch of different things that Bill, Bill was dealing with at home, and they chose this particular thing. Uh, and a lot of them just are there to be silly, raunchy, horrible jokes. And this just feels like appropriate for this movie. Like, I really uh, yeah. yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, because I did, I like, I, I guess I didn't really think about this joke for much longer than <laughs> no. the joke happened. But I almost wonder if it is like, uh, it is a play on the Back to the Future thing of like him yeah. wanting with his yeah. mom, and yeah. like, what if, yeah. what if the idea that he's like, I can't do this, you're my mom, but in this movie, Bill really wants to fuck his mom. <laughs> Can I talk about Back to the Future for a second, please? I think a lot of the discourse about that movie nowadays is yeah. it's the movie about what if you go back in time and you want to fuck your mom? Yeah. I didn't get that at all. That is like not the I movie. Mean, back in the day, you didn't get it. I don't get No, I mean, I, I see it there, but like that's not what I get from the movie. I, what I get from the movie is, first of all, is what if you go back in time and your mom wants to fuck you is, is yes. what it is. He doesn't want to yeah. fuck his mom for a second. But the yeah. real thing is, what if you go back in time and you find out your dad was a dork? That's, that's the, the biggest movie. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's but I, I think that just goes along with every, like, uh, it's a very Reddit thought is like, yeah. uh, like, I, you'll always see going like, oh man, like, 
this this person's theory on Rugrats changes everything. And then you read it and it's like, they're all stillborn. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that's definitely not what the show is about. <laughs> is there a theory on, on Doug that we can worry about? We yeah. have, oh, I do have a little piece of trivia for you guys. Okay. Uh, a little piece of trivia. So, w- coming up on the real Patreon, we're doing Doug's first movie with Teddy Bressman. Does anybody oh, I love Teddy? On the main feed, Sean, I know you you know Teddy. Are you friends with him? I am. Yeah, I love Teddy. We I helped him and Matt Bass out on the poll on Sci Fi. Oh, you did? Yeah. He's coming on to promote the poll, uh, for instance, but Teddy is one of my closest friends. I have a little piece of trivia. Do you guys know how Teddy, uh, how how Teddy and this movie are connected? I certainly do not. I'll give you a clue. <laughs> okay, Teddy's brother, who is really—I mean, the both of them are like my two closest friends, aside from you, Phil, of course. Uh, uh, his brother's name is Will. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Oh, Bill and Ted. They are they are the <laughs> named inspiration, the namesake <laughs> of Bill and Ted. And uh that's real. We can we, I we, love that. We will, so we will much. confirm it on the Doug podcast. But yes, Teddy that's is incredible. the actual Ted. Incredible. <laughs> incredible. No, I'm in just blown. I'm yeah. in shock. Yeah. That's fantastic. Pretty cool, right? It's a pretty cool thing. <laughs> <laughs> So can I ask a question to you guys? Is this your favorite time travel movie? No. No. <laughs> no. Uh, no. Well, I don't know if it's Back to the Future, but I, I mean, time travel is like my favorite genre. I mean, Terminator is probably my favorite. Or Terminator yeah. 2. Okay, interesting. All right. Yeah, I think it's my favorite time travel comedy. Comedy, yeah. 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 I, I think I do think the Not Terminators and Back to the Future. guy? No, like I, I, well, there, I hate, there, there's movies. one other that <laughs> they're terrible movies. There's one other that uh, that is a time travel movie, but it's a little different. Uh, Groundhog Day, which right, which right. before the time loop became yeah. its own thing, was thing. a time travel movie. Yeah. Now there's these this idea that time loop mm-hmm. is its own fucking genre. When all yeah. you're doing is cribbing off Groundhog Day, but there's so many of them. Um. But yes, I this is this is if we it's did for, our top yeah. five, five 
time travel movies, it probably makes my five. I can't guarantee. I so you know we'll, we'll talk about this as well when we do Back to the Future Part Two, which also came out in '89. So two big time travel movies come out, and and you know I personally I know that you love time travel, Kenny, yes. for the reason that that I probably don't love time travel as much because it, it makes my head hurt, mm-hmm. and I don't. I can't like really wrap my head around what's going on if I'm being completely honest. Um, like, and what I love about this film is that it's very easy to understand. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, there's zero there's zero si- science behind the time travel, which is it, which actually does make it so much sweeter. It is yes. so dumb and like homemade. I love that. Like the moment, like Back to the Future has to create like gigawatts yes. and stuff. rules and like, shit. Yeah. yeah. And, like, Bill and Ted, like, they break every single rule that was set up in Back to the Future instantly. (laughs) There's no, no, like, fallout. There's no ripple effect. It's just... It's It's the best part of it. Yeah. Like, it's like, like, I mean, because then this is why I think this movie would work for somebody who's trying to travel travel averse, and it has worked for people who are trying to travel averse, is because there are no rules. It's only barely a time travel movie. I mean, it's really not a time travel movie in like, you know, the sense of going back to change time to affect the present. That's really what time travel movies are generally about. Mm-hmm. Or going back to experience something in the past, like a Peggy Sue got married. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is just this. This is this could have been, you know, they have a geography test and transport to different places in the world and pick up current figures who and and do different it, it, it's it's it means nothing which takes so much pressure off you as a viewer it's the best but i'll also say i don't know if you listen to the blank check tenant episode but they talk about how chris I nolan have, i have not seen the movie chris nervous. nolan kind of tenant has the same time travel rules as bill and ted which is kind <laughs> of fantastic there are none well, it's just very, it's just very clean. It's like, it's just, it's cause and effect. It's cause and effect. And it's just like, that. that's, that's basically it. Okay. So yeah. So they don't go into any of like the grandfather. Pa- well, because, like because the movie is illogical on top of everything else. So it's just like, he's not going to muck up the works even You're more. By trying to exp- yes. It's yes, illogical. Yes. This movie does have cause and effect. It has yeah, yeah. cause and the present affecting the future. Yeah. It has, you know, Abraham Lincoln disappears in 19, <laughs> in 1863. That might matter. It might just, president just United, a little bit. United yeah. States disappears. Yeah. So uh, yeah. <laughs> travels to San Dimas and goes back to win the Civil War. I think he, people might have written about that. But, <laughs> I know. So, I mean, yeah. so in conclusion, Bill and Ted is fucking stupid. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. I, I love that it's – I just love that it just doesn't – go down that rabbit hole. And we'll talk about this on Back to the Future Part 2 because I think that that movie does get away with a lot of the shit that it's like I, I that it's trying to pull off. It does I love pretty Back well. To I do too. too. I do too. Yeah. I, I mean, I love, uh, I love time travel movies uh, in large part because I love the rules. I love the implications. Yeah. I love, I mean, you know, before this I was watching Rick and Morty because I, I love the diving into the possibilities of Sure. Yeah. Um, but if you fuck it up, it's as bad as it gets. So <laughs> I appreciate that yeah. they didn't even try. I I just I also so at this point basically they're at the Circle K convenience store. They're sitting on the curb. They're asking random people 
historical facts of which they don't know the answers. <laughs> and and then uh, Rufus shows up in the and in the time traveling phone at the Circle K. S- strange things are afoot strange at the Circle K. It's the fucking best. It's the best. Uh, apparently, according to Alex Winter, filming in the phone booth was so unpleasant that him and Keanu nicknamed it the Death Box, which I think is. <laughs> Fantastic. I bet it smelled fucking just awful in there. Um, so then Rufus Rufus convinces them that they need to come on this journey with him, obviously. Um, we have those fantastic special effects through what the circuits of time, which are sort of kind of like the circuits of a phone, I guess. Is that what we're sort of supposed to be led to believe? Like it's like phone cords, phone wires. Is that kind of what it is? Sort of? I no? Yeah. Okay. Cool. okay. Yeah. Um, they 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 see Napoleon. They accidentally pull him through the circuits of time. An interesting thing about that with Napoleon yeah. is originally in the the first draft. I remember when uh, Ed Solomon posted this on Twitter. It was Hitler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! And then they That's were like, "Incredible! Oh yeah, we're gonna change that." Like they, them going to Nazi Germany and picking up Hitler and bringing him to America now isn't oh, as wow. funny as like a little French guy. That's funny. It would have. That's great. It, it's too bad <laughs> because it, it, I think it would have played. Yeah. Uh, it might have. It might have. I mean, Hitler on the on the water. Hitler on the roller coasters would have been pretty good. Well, the whole Waterloo thing doesn't work as well. It doesn't. Hitler. What a what a great a great pun. Maybe the only great pun. Yeah, maybe the only good one of all time. <laughs> Where would Napoleon go? Waterloo. Waterloo. <laughs> it's fantastic. I, I shudder. I shudder to think what it would have been called had it been. Hitler. Oh, I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> I have pitches, but as an Irish Catholic, I, I can't make these pitches. Uh, Fair I, enough. I, I, uh, they go back home and they notice that Napoleon was stuck in a nearby tree. They put two and two together and decide that they're going to kidnap historical tree. figures to complete their report. Um, and they just tell Deacon to watch Napoleon. <laughs> <laughs> um they befriend Billy the Kid and Socrates. Socrates, uh, my apologies. Why did you watch this movie? <laughs> I, just, I, yeah. I, just whatever. Um, and it's yeah. also magic. It's so. It's such a great way of how they instantly know how to appeal to uh, Socrates, which yep. I think is just. It's so great, like that. They're just like, oh, I get what you do. You basically say lyrics. I yep. get that. Yep, and yep. it's. It's so in character and perfect and brilliant. It works. It works for Billy the Kid. To to me, I, I felt like when I, as a child, most of life was going to be about Billy the Kid because he was like so omnipresent in my childhood. Yes, yes yeah, yeah. Like between that and Young Guns, and now no one ever that's talks why, about Billy. That's why like, I was Young Guns, hey, Phil. <laughs> It, it makes sense now. I had Billy the Kid on the front. I asked Phil today again. I don't care who yeah. listens. I'm like, you think Disney Plus would do a Young Guns reboot? Because I had Billy on the brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. But uh, then um, Bill thinks that Ted is dead in like a suit of armor and says, "Ah, Ted, don't be dead, dude." Which is great. 
Um, they hug and say a terrible slur for gay people, which is unfortunate. It's period. Yeah. It's to period appropriate, yeah. I guess. Again, came out in '89, was yeah. filmed in '87, yeah. two different times. <laughs> yeah. Pretend uh, it didn't then they think they're going to be executed, but turns out that it's Billy and Socrates, and it all kind of works out. Uh, I love how I love how quickly Billy and Socrates are on board. Out. Yeah, these guys are all right. <laughs> <laughs> these guys who kidnapped me for my time are, are actually pretty decent dudes. Don't and it up. <laughs> and well, you want to know what they are? Like Billy, like like Billy goes into that to that bar. Ask for two men, and everyone puts their heads down like wimps. And Bill and Ted are like, "Yeah, hook us up. We're in." Yeah, he he won. Like they won his respect. And mm-hmm. with with Socrates, Plus like yeah, like he's like you know he's very inquisitive. He's like well, these two men from the future are here. I must for yeah, yeah just for uh, my for inquisitive sure. nature. I must yeah. follow them. Yeah. So, how do you feel, uh, guys, about? Uh, of all all of history, all of history, yeah. I feel like Napoleon was was perfectly cast. Mm-hmm. Um, and but he also kind of plays a side role, you know. Mm-hmm. It, would you have gone with Billy the Kid and Socrates as your scarecrow and Tin Man? Hey. Yeah. I, mean, I feel like Socrates makes so much more sense than Billy the Kid. Yeah, like, Billy the Kid feels like uh, a production thing. We're doing a does, Western, so who does, are we going to get? I think you were spot on where it's like, what <laughs> sets do we have? <laughs> my, my issue with Billy the Kid, it's not a big issue, was always that he seemed too cool. Right. And he made Socrates look old by comparison so like even at the even when they're they're revealed to be the two executioners i'm like oh i'm like you know how embarrassing it must be for ted to have to like high five this old man (laughs) while bill gets a high five cool ass billy the kid so so uh, billy the kid i think and he's you know and it's like his his signature move like whatever everyone like kind of looks at him sideways is shooting a gun which is yeah, very yeah. cool. I mean, I don't want to be pro gun here, but like it was a, yeah. it's very, it's, he knows I had to handle a gun. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, it was the I, 1880s. It was a different time. Like yeah. it made sense for his character. I guess if you're going Western, you have to go, he's the most famous guy from the West, right? You, I mean, it's I either him or Wider. Herb. Yeah, yeah. Wider's the only other one that you can do. But, but yeah. also, the West is just too, it's too close in time. To Abraham Lincoln in my head, like when I like <laughs> really done pretty much, yeah, and Freud. It, exactly. Like the, it's so it's the, the, it's really a cluster, and then it's great. I know. Um, they, they went way back to get Genghis Khan. I like that move. And the, uh, also, what history be- class is all of history? Yeah, <laughs> like, all of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do love the line that comes up. I know we're jumping all over the place, but the line at the end where Ted says, we went back to a time that looked like the cover of Led Zeppelin's Houses of the Holy. (laughs) True, it's fair. It's great. Uh, I also, the the Socrates thing also makes me think of Clueless and the Sporadicus, the the mispronunciation of of Spartacus. The the Hadians. The Hadians. Yeah. So, which, by the way, just to go, uh, just again, mm-hmm. uh, Charlemagne was also in a draft at one point, and they had a cool nickname for him, which was uh, Charlie Mangay. 
<laughs> that's fantastic oh my god would have been worth it um so the booth is partially damaged on their departure they end up in the far future where they see the future that was influenced by them i can't and we kind of touched on this earlier i'm not sure if it's like are we supposed to be inspired by this future i like, like is this it. a future? you Isn't like that okay good? yeah yeah, that that yeah, that's that's yeah, it's supposed to be good. Like and like how yeah. how much yeah. how I mean I love it. It's like that yeah, is okay. that is okay. that is the time like I think nineteen eighty nine San Dimas is where I would want to go if I can go anywhere. <laughs> so any future that's inspired by nineteen eighty nine San Dimas is is fine by me. I mean Clarence Clemens is the president of the world. Yeah, that's it, pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's him, uh, Martha Smith from yep. the and uh, Fee from the Tubes. It's like <laughs> like all of these like cool musicians. <laughs> it fucking rules. And I just want to say to agree with you again. Yes, the first time I ever drove past San Dimas, I almost started to cry. I was like, <laughs> I was so excited. Yeah, I was on my way to Ontario, California, and I drove past San Dimas, and like I was like. Oh my god! I have goosebumps Real. right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I same thing. It's just like this, this, I love this, it. It's a dream place. I'm not even kidding. It's a dream place for me. A dream place in time. There's just something about that moment in that place and those sure. people and like, like not to be cheesy, the good vibes of it all yeah. that like just rule. Like yeah. it's right after. I mean, I you know I do have nostalgia for like. Like Spielberg's ET time, the sure, time sure, that JJ sure. Abrams is obviously obsessed mm-hmm. with. And I think that's really sweet too, but just a little edged up, a little cooler, mm-hmm. a little more dangerous, but like still like, you know, everything, everything is real copacetic and everything is real harmonious. I'm very, very into this. Um, so at this point, Bill and Ted are inspired to complete their report with extra credit by kidnapping additional historical extra figures. Credit! Uh, Sigmund Freud, Freud, Ludwig Freud. Freud. Be- uh, Beethoven, Be- Joan of Arc, Fruit, sorry, Fruit, uh, Genghis Khan, and Abraham Noah's Lincoln. Um, I then we then get one of my favorite moments, which is Napoleon cheating at bowling. <laughs> <laughs> the look on Napoleon's face as he tries to like sneak a one onto the score is fucking fantastic. That's one of those moments where I, I mean, you see this movies every once in a while, but that's one of those moments where I'm just, I'm watching it being like, I cannot believe that the actors are able to keep a straight face. Keep a straight yeah. face. Like Napoleon is in full French army regalia. Screaming and and everyone is everyone else is just acting as if this is normal. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's phenomenal. It's um, just another. It's just another crazy at the local bowling alley. It's the. It's fucking. And it's I like that. I like that. You know, <clears throat> in the beginning of the movie, one of the things. Um, uh, one of the things Carlin says about how great the world is is that bowling scores are up, and mini golf oh, scores are down. Like yeah. this is very that's so San Dimas. That's so yeah. like it's like that's like Karate Kid time. Like there's just something yeah. about like yeah. L- L.A. and L.A. adjacent in the in the eighties where like I felt like it was still kind of finding its footing to some extent. For sure, it was, the, it was like the first generation of kids who uh, who were the kids of people who grew up there. Mm-hmm. You know, who were like the first generation who like. 
who like didn't kind of feel like they had to build the town and get kind of have fun in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's just fucking heaven. I, I think it's, it, it's, it, we've talked about this a little bit in the past, Kenny, on these 89 episodes, but it, there is a, there's something about this time capsule of this time that these movies are living in that just is so comforting. Now, admittedly, we all grew up on these movies and that's part of it. There's a nostalgia to it, but there's also to your point, Kenny, there just seems to be an element of harmony that seems to be going on in these films. And maybe that's just, you know, fucking 80s Reagan nonsense and whatever. But like, I do think that there's something there. It's, it really isn't, it really doesn't have anything to do with, with Reagan or anything yeah. like that. Like it just kind of like California and we're all, you know, from East coast ish places, right? Mm-hmm. We're all from the Eastern time zone, right? Sure. Or is Toronto not in the Eastern time zone? Yeah, it is. Well, from the Eastern time zone, I'm certain you both grew up with the same version, the same picture of California, particularly Southern California that I did, which sure. was, it was essentially another world that yep. was exotic and cooler. Yep. And uh, anybody who lived there, anybody who was from there was like a magical unicorn. Yeah. And yeah. the dream of moving to LA when you got older was like in part to work in film and TV, but also in part to live mm-hmm. uh, in this incredible place that you see on screen over and over again. So I, I do really think like I'm pretty obsessed with LA and LA history. LA didn't fucking exist until around 1910. Like LA was a, LA was, was nothing. I mean, 1900, 1910. And within the first like 20 years of, of the, of the 20th century, it turned from a farming place, just nothing but farmland to like the center of entertainment in this country is built up very fast. And then the next like, 30 to 40 years, a whole group of people, tens of millions of people moved here and built this city. But kids who grew up in the 70s and 80s and were actually born in L.A. are that first generation of really Angelinos. Yeah, yeah. And them kind of figuring out what L.A. youth culture is in real time is like such a thrill to me because like that's not a thing you get on the East Coast. Like all of the things on the East Coast, like biker culture, hip hop culture, beatnik culture, any culture that was born in the East Coast is built on years and years and years of 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 youth culture passing it down. Mm-hmm. But this like this surf metal punk thing yep, that yep. like in a world where you don't have snow that they're figuring out in real time is so fucking cool to me. I totally agree. It, 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 the, that was so beautiful. I mean, seriously, you should write that down. Like. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like it truly, it truly is putting a smile on like the death of the American dream. That's what uh, California <laughs> youth is in like this time yeah. period. Like, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, there's a there's a great podcast about Tracy Lords uh, called mm-hmm. Once Upon a Time in the Valley, and they really like go into like her high school time, and that it is Bill and Ted. Like everyone that they interview that went to high school with her is Bill and Ted. But they're all the bad version of Bill and Ted, where sure, they're all like sure. talking about like just beating the shit out of people and like fucking and all that stuff. And they're they're not like fun. They're not fun. And Bill and Ted is the like putting a smile on that type of culture. It's, it is. Sure. It's the dream of California. And yeah. one of the saddest things to me, like that's happened now, like this moment, is the demonization of California. You know, I just just speaking to someone this morning who went to Arizona for the weekend, drove his car, and apparently, like, you get a lot of shit now if you have a California license. Really? 
in Arizona. He says he had he says he had ten people. And this guy is not like some fucking you know liberal uh, yeah firebrand like the rest of us. Uh, he said he had he said he had ten people give him shit uh, ten over the course of three days. Uh, and yeah, and, and I I think like. I think Arizona's going through some shit right now, though. The whole country is, though. Like, yeah. but the idea of California is really curdled in people's minds, and that depresses the fucking shit out of me. Because if we don't have California, all you right. got left is Hawaii, and then that's it. And then, like that, that's it. That's it's like Little Monsters, one of my favorite 1989 movies that I hope we do. We will. Uh, Phil, have you ever seen it? No. Sean, have you seen it? Oh hell yeah! I figured you had. You know how in the end the little monsters like you having to go west and west and west so they can go under a bed. That's what we're doing. Yeah, I mean, truly, little monsters, Phil, you're gonna hate it. (laughs) 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 Why am I gonna hate it? It just doesn't. It it doesn't seem like a Phil movie. D minus. It's it's like it's like somebody who only knows of Tim Burton through like having seen a Tim Burton like uh documentary feature on MTV. Right? It's yeah. like someone who's like heard like I'm gonna make this Burton esque, but it's never actually seen a Burton movie. That oh, being okay. said that, that I understand. That, I that being okay. said, I love it. I love it too. I'm looking and forward it, to it. it. And it's it's silly and it's fun and there's a great prank in it that I think of anytime I see apple juice. Like <laughs> I I like anytime I see apple juice, I'm instantly just I, I just think of little monsters. So I you you mentioned something, I, I can't remember which one of you mentioned it, but just this sort of the the this kind of that eighties idea of we just want the audience to have a good time. Right. Like this, just like send them on a fun ride. We don't, you know, it's, it's very much of that sort of popcorn, the comedies in particular, where like a concept, like, and we're going to cover this movie at some point as well, Kenny, but like weekend at Bernie's is not a concept that should work for 90 minutes. Like he's dead, but we're going to pretend he's not for 90 minutes. Um, and I, I, you know, it's yet to, I, we haven't watched it again. I haven't watched it probably since 1989. So can't really tell you whether or not it holds up or not. But, um, but these sort of these, these just plain silly concepts that the audience was willing to go along with. And the bummer for me is that it does feel like you can't really get away with that anymore. So I I do want to say the, the, everything you're saying is true. Yeah. The thing that happened. Mm -hmm. Over the last, I'd say from about 2000, no, I mean, it started in the 80s and 90s, but in 2000, it was just it. And that was till, till, it was till the end of time, till 2021, is you couldn't make a movie like Bill and Ted's mm-hmm. or Little Monsters or, or Weekend at Bernie's or mm-hmm. Mannequin or any of these insane oh, fucking Mannequin. movies Love uh, without a star. And they are still making movies that are meant to be silly, right? Eurovision mm-hmm. is a silly movie, but Eurovision is a silly movie with big fucking stars. Like yeah. you, you can't just like the last silly movie I can remember making a dent that had no stars was super troopers, which is 20 right. years ago. Right. You know? Yeah. I kind of blame a little bit, the Saturday night live culture of oh, destroying the, the, the comedy movie. I mean, like it really made everything like, uh, especially like if you really think about it, like starting at Wayne's world, 
everything had to have like somebody you recognize, like even like Ace Ventura shouldn't have worked, but like in living color was so popular that Jim Carrey could feasibly star in these uh, big budget Hollywood movies. And like, it became the the rise of the comedy star who only did comedy. And then they, and they just got passed on where you had like Jim Carrey, Adam Sandler, Will Ferrell, Mike Myers, they were all stars and they were the only people that could get movies greenlit. And it, you, you missed out on so many like awesome, like, like if like one of my favorite comedies is like a new leaf with Walter Matthau, uh, Elaine May movie. Yeah, the Elaine May movie. It's Elaine May, Walter Matthau. That's it. Like playing like a couple that you're. It's a romantic comedy, but it's so fun and like anyone can play those two roles. It's not even made better by them. Like, <coughs> and you still have. <coughs> this isn't to say you can't make movies without stars. You can, and you can make comedies without stars. But the kind of comedies you can make without stars are book smart, which, all you know, all love to book smart. But Booksmart is super fucking grounded, right? Even the, like even the even the the drug trip is like it's it's so grounded, and you can't do these like weird sciency like let's just throw some fucking inane premise without it feeling like we are calling back to the eighties, you know? Like Hot Tub Time Machine was like we're calling back to we are making an eighties comedy here. Um, I guess the hangover actually kind of did it to some extent, like without stars. Uh, and that was kind of lovely too, in its own way, but still that's even, well, like they ruined of, that pretty quickly, but yeah, I know yeah, but that's even yeah. kind of grounded too. I'm talking about like, just like wild fucking premises. Yep. Um, that, that, that where no one has any preciousness about their persona. And that's what I really like, really respect about Keanu and Alex winter in this movie mm-hmm. is they, they did not look they did not have to look good. They did not have to look cool. They did not have to look smart. Like this could have been such a this could have been a lifelong joke for them. This could have been Pauly sure. Shore and Encino Man, that something they could never get out from under. Well that was to be fair, that was Keanu's one of his worst fears. <laughs> that his epitaph it, was gonna read Keanu Reeves, he played Ted. But it did to Pauly Shore. Yeah, it did. And the crazy thing is, is it's probably going to still be the lead when Keanu Reeves dies. But Neo, I think, will probably be the lead. But Ted is a close second. Or John Wick. I mean, there's probably going to be 400 more John Wicks. But like, but that's the other thing is he has so many iconic roles. But Ted, to me, is his most iconic. Like, The Matrix rules. Like, the other two suck. But like, The Matrix rules. So hard, like I love it. It's like the perfect. It's it, great. It's great. It's the perfectly constructed story. It has everything you want in the story. I think it's currently both our number ones of the year. Or I think yours? So. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, it's not my number one. I, I know your but. favorite is Eyes Wide Shut, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's number one on your thing. Just because in the beginning we were kind of hesitant to give ninety nines. I don't know. Um, I'll just say this. I I don't know. Uh, it's but, my favorite movie we've done so far, The Matrix. So I'm with that's you. That's fair. I, I I think that you mentioned something earlier, Sean, that I wanted to follow up on for a second, which is there does seem to be a little bit of Wayne's World in Bill and Ted um, in terms of their personas a little, a little bit. Bill They're not, and Ted in Wayne's World, bro. Yeah, I think I think it, you... No, I, 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 obviously I meant that Bill and Ted is... That, that Wayne's World is influenced by Bill and Ted, not the other way around since... Yes, you know, but okay. yeah. I'm I'm speaking more, and I don't think that Wayne and Garth are cut from the same cloth 
obviously. But there is sort of that. They're cut from the same cloth. They're cut from the same cloth. They're satirizing the same exact type of person. That's why I make sure they also have they also have hearts of gold. Yes. They also are people you're you know you're you're sympathizing with or empathizing with from the beginning, despite being caricatures of people you kind of want to throw off a building. Sure, sure. You know, uh, yeah, they, 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 they're very similar to me, and that's also a super fucking amazing and brilliant movie that... Uh, yes, I love Wayne's World. Yeah. 100%. It's so strange, too, to have your, like, your stereotypical, like, rocker guys who they're not, like, scamming on babes. No. They yeah. are, like, Wayne's World does it perfectly. It was, like, the moment he sees Cassandra... It's just yeah. Dreamweaver. He's in love. Like it, he skips the step. He skips yep. every step to just being like, "I will die for this person." <laughs> and I think that's the same with Bill and Ted. And I think that's just like how. I mean, they're just so. Uh, isn't I? And forgive me if I'm if I'm conflating Wayne's World two with Wayne's World one. But isn't Wayne's World one where every time Garth sees uh, the attractive blonde at the donut place that he literally falls off of his chair like that? Yeah, that's Wayne's World one. Yeah, Donna Jackson. Yeah. 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 Um, I also just want to say that I love that Little Monsters, which is a movie that many people have told me about that they loved as a kid. That movie made seven hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> so it was the real but, HBO movie. Okay, okay. It just, whatever right. it was, it was a, it was replayed over and over, and it was so easy to come into. There's and there's a okay. there's a good drive to it. It's there's Great. It, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, even though I'm going to hate it. Great soundtrack too. Uh, Great. I think, Sean, what you were getting at with these these rockers, you know, I yes. mean, they, one of the reviews called the metalheads. I think yeah. all four of these guys are metalheads, mm-hmm. but also having, you know, they're not scamming up babes and having, you know, kind of, they're not fighting and they're not, they're they're, they're not generally dangerous people. I think uh, gets to the heart of what hair metal in the eighties was about. Right, hair metal is so performative. But you also can't forget that these are the people that created the power ballad. These are the people that created that the, the, the most heartfelt fucking put it all out there songs. And it's not like just like one band specialized in another. Every single one of these fucking bat head eating lunatics wrote a Added song. Every rose has its thorn. Wrote every rose has its thorn. <laughs> wrote fucking to be with you. Or oh, at fucking uh here I go again. Like all of these fucking songs by White Snake. Like Kiss, I mean, Kiss had a bunch of ballads too, didn't they? Beth. Yeah. Beth, yeah, Beth is Beth. a Beth is a, a fucking lullaby. Like, <laughs> like I but I think that's great about them. I yes, think that yes. though that's how you buy into these bands. That's how you know they're not that fucking scary. That's how like yep. that that's what separates them from the Marilyn Mansons of the world. I agree. Uh, so just to wrap up the the plot on Bill and Ted real quick, they 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 kidnap all these historical figures. They find them at the mall. They get them out of. The, there's a whole slightly convoluted thing where Ted records his voice in order to get them out of jail because they all get put in jail. And um, they uh, they um, <laughs> they give a presentation at the school to oh, a rousing. Well, you missed the best part that I've been um, referencing okay, the whole movie. Okay, okay. When be- right before they go to the house, when they have to do the chores, which is not good, and they introduce yeah. them all to Missy. Yes, but but they give them all fake names because yes. Um, yes. you know, God forbid, Missy should think they have the real ones. I'm yeah. just going to read what the fake names. Please, are. please, yeah. 
Uh, Dave Beef Oven, <laughs> Maxina Bark, Herman the Kid, Bob Bob Genghis Khan, uh, the best one, Socrates Johnson. <laughs> Socrates Johnson is fantastic. D- D- Dennis Frude and uh, Abraham Lincoln. Chad <laughs> ran out. <laughs> So Crates Johnson, Bob Genghis Khan slays me, obviously, but So Crates Johnson is just, it's its too good for words. Can I just say something that I do think does sort of, I, I, I think the writers definitely were, there's a fair amount of weed that was consumed before writing these movies, or at least I, certainly I, feels I, that way. I think, I think Ed Sol- Solomon is quite open about that. Yeah, um, and apparently the 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 name Station in Bogus Journey came out of the fact that they had a slug that just said Exterior Station and it accidentally <laughs> pasted into true. all the things, so they just kept it. <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible. Which is incredible. Uh, you really just... Um, so yeah, basically they give a big presentation at the school, rousing success. Abraham Lincoln breaks the fourth wall and tells us all to party on dudes, which works um and iconic, uh, iconic. rufus iconic. returns to bill and ted presenting them with two princesses that they rescued uh blah 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 uh rufus explains how bill and ted will change the world with their music they start to jam they're terrible rufus turns to cameron says they do get, they better. Do get better and it's a great I, fucking last line i love that the princesses are in the band yes it's yes it's such a satisfying ending I love that they come back in Bogus Journey, and I love that they come back in, in Face the Music. It's the kind of I, thing I think most movies like this would, would have just fucking ignored. Yes, I, yes. I love Aaron Hayes and Jayma Mays, but... She's great. Yeah. They're great. They're great in Face the Music. I just kind of wish they kept the original yeah, princesses. Yeah. Cool. I, I mean, Diane Franklin is, is my number one 1980s crush of all time. Really? Uh, I mean, but better off dead. She's incredible in it. <laughs> Uh, the Last American Virgin is the most underrated sex comedy of the 1980s, sure. uh, yep. and 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 Bill and Ted, and she's left to do nothing, and this is after being like the lead into the romantic lead into different. Uh, I I actually really was, I think that they did a pretty good job of keeping as many people as they could in the in the new one, um, but I agree with you that dad around was was yeah it was they sent him to hell. I was well, shocked that Ted's dad was still alive. Barely stand up. <laughs> he was great. Uh, so let's rate this. Um, I'll start. As I mentioned in 89, I liked the film. I didn't love the film. I didn't really get it. I'm going to give it an appropriate 69 because that feels right. 69! Um, 69. Uh, before this podcast, I was at an 80. But after this podcast, I'm at an 88. I think it's a fucking great movie. I, I and, and, and I also have to say, too, that it just... All three films speak to each other so beautifully. It really is one of the few perfect trilogies where like it just it's I don't think we're going to get another one. I'd be very surprised if we get another one. Um, and it's no, just, uh, it's just it's just Unless right. it's so. the girls, which I would watch. I'd yeah. watch that for sure. But anyway, what, uh, what about you, Kenny? Um, oh, so I want to walk you through my, my Bill and Ted's journey real fast. I saw this Please. movie in theaters uh, with yeah. my parents. I think we okay. all kind of got off on it. Like all of us really just kind of had this like moment where it was all just this is this was some youth culture shit we can all get behind. Sure. Uh, I loved it from the beginning, which I can't say for every movie like this. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw Bogus Journey in the theater in 92 when it came out and absolutely hated it. So uh, I, I can I can get on board with what you're saying, Phil. Uh, it took multiple rewatchings on uh, on TV over the mm-hmm. years to to realize what a fucking masterpiece, masterpiece. It is, which it is. It's it's a fucking unbelievable movie. Uh, I in '89 I would give this like a 90. I really love this movie. Before this watch, I will say this. I was down to an 86, mm. and I wrote, uh, this is a movie I love, but unlike so many movies that we've done, Phil, I mm. felt like I could be object- objective about it. And objectively, I don't think it's as good as the other movies you've done. But over the course of this podcast, that proved to be untrue. <laughs> I could not be objective about this movie. I loved it deeply. I think every moment is brilliant. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go like 93. It's, it probably is still my third of the, of the trilogy. Um, but it's, uh, incredible start and, uh, I love it. And what a, what a flick. What a flick. Yeah. Sean. Uh, okay. Again, favorite trilogy of all time. I think it's the best <laughs> pound for pound trilogy, uh, by far, uh, <laughs> by far. First time I saw this movie, I think I was six years old. It was on Channel 11, uh, and I, like, loved it. And then uh, the next uh, time I went to Choice Video in Middletown, New Jersey, I made my mom rent it, and I watched it three times that weekend. And then I rented it again the next weekend and watched it again uh, three times. And then my mom just bought me the VHS of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, (laughs) and I loved it then so back then i would probably say it was a clear cut 99 like, <laughs> the the maybe one of the the first important movies in my life it feels like it really imprinted you yes i was obsessed with it because also <laughs> i like i had older cousins who all liked it and i think it was like the first thing that i got that they mm-hmm. liked so i was mm-hmm. like oh we have a shared thing now uh <laughs> And like uh, Kenny, like Bogus Journey is a top twenty-five movie for me of all time. I understand like, that. I understand that. It, it's truly a masterpiece. Uh, it it's on another level than this movie. So I think going into this viewing, I was probably like, it's probably like an eighty-five. But uh, through talking about it and hearing. Uh, being reminded of uh, how they introduced these characters to Missy, I'm going to have to say, like, it's a 94 for me. I love it so much. It's so funny. There's so many jokes that it's so joke dense that you yeah. will miss things. Like, I, and yeah. yeah. I, I want to say one more thing about all these movies, but really Bogus Journey. Yeah. Bogus Journey is the movie I always wanted to make like when i moved out here it was that kind of like here are the rules but like look at all the things you can do with them type movie sure that really excited me having the you know the 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 characters come as evil versions of themselves having aliens (laughs) being able to go into the depths of hell the games for their souls Mm -hmm. like all this funny silly shit that, uh, that was undergirded by some real interesting existential stuff, dream movie. So, like, I, I, I've I obviously moved away from that and probably intelligently because there's never been another movie that good that's that wild. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, I, I think that uh, – I think Bogus Journey, Sean, like, like, for, like you, I think it's clearly a top 
50 movie for me. Uh, and oh. just, just like it means a lot to me. It, it's so great. I mean, like, and it also introduces you to uh, a film vocabulary that like yes. just does, does not exist in Excellent Adventure. I mean, like, and also on top of that, like, the visuals of hell and each one of their like worst nightmares are is like so haunting, and it's a it, perfect tightening. Just going like in the first movie, they have to pass history, and now they have to survive death. Like that I, is- I will say, watching it, I did find myself thinking, God, I wish this thing was just a big fucking hit because I would have loved to have seen what the third one was off the trajectory of that thing being a success. Because obviously it wasn't. It, didn't, it wasn't a bomb or anything like that, but it didn't do well enough for them to, to make more of them. But it's just, it, it's, it's so out there that I just wish that, it, that they were able to keep running with the ball. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, Sean, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for coming on. Guys, love it. I love being here. I love uh, coming here. I love talking about... <laughs> I love actually talking about a movie that we could all agree on for once. Yeah, it's great. Uh, what was the first one? Well, well Boondock Saints, we all agreed, was bad. 200 cigarettes. 200 cigarettes, Boondock Saints, and uh, Dogma. Yes. So we all... Yeah, I mean, a, a movie that we could all agree is incredible. Sean, yes. it's just—it's fun yes. to just love up a movie with you. It's great. It is. It is fun to love a movie, and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure—it rules. Thank you. Come guys. back. Thank come you. Back for little monsters. Please, we'll please come back for something else in the future. We really, really hope you will. Podcast you know I will. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's Baby fish mouth. Baby fish mouth. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad. And I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gays wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com